be weary of complacency. It's not about whether or not God's going to be happy with you. It's about what you're doing in your life to be your best version of yourself, whether that's in your faith walk, business, personal life, family life. So just be very weary of complacency. I think there's always something that we could be doing, always something that we could be striving for. Learn stuff, learn something new every day if you can. This is the Fit Investor Podcast, where we talk about how to live a more holistic life of being fit, not only financially, but physically and faithfully. We'll be joined by experts in all these areas to share their experiences and actionable and practical tips so that you can be a fit investor too. So now let's join our hosts, Kale Delaney and Brenna Carls. Welcome to another episode of The Fit Investor. I'm your host, Kale Delaney, and unfortunately our co-host, this is Brenna. She got snowed in the once a year East Tennessee snowstorm, so she's out of power and internet, so will not be joining us. But we have got our special guest, Brandon Kayla, who is here to discuss his journey, which he has pretty great stuff. Brandon grew up in a small town in South Texas where he enjoyed hunting and fishing and began his journey in understanding what hard work was and really meant. He attended Abilene Christian University, completing his undergraduate studies in psychology and a master's degree in organizational development. And after college, he actually began a career at Bell Helicopter for almost seven years, launching multiple development programs and leading hundreds of leaders through leadership development programs. After having his first child, Brandon thought it would be a good idea to pursue his passion of running his own business, and he started Brandon Kayla Real Estate in November 2020. Since that time, he has ran a successful business while being more available for his wife, his almost four-year-old daughter, Rosie, and friends and family. And Brandon is a child of God and strives to live out his faith daily while encouraging others towards the same goal. So with that, Mr. Brandon, welcome to The Fit Investor. Yes, thank you. Excited to be here. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So excited to dig into your story. So why don't you just take us back to the beginning a little bit, give us a little bit of your history, and then let's dive into your faith journey. And then we'll dig into the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up in El Campo, Texas, a town of about 10,000 people, and actually grew up on 125 acres out there in a smaller town called Louise, Texas. So there were three daughters of a guy that was prominent in that area. And, and one of his daughters was Luis. And so grew up out there and that was a town of less than a thousand, but went to school in El Campo, church in El Campo, and was very much a pew baby. Uh, if anybody can relate to the, that term, it was basically, all right, you're, you're out into the world and day after birth, you're in the pews, you're doing church. So grew up there and got baptized at a pretty early age. And it was one of those things where it's like, all right, you got baptized, you get to start being in leadership roles or being in roles where you're doing song leading and helping out with communion and saying opening or closing prayers. Or So it was very much Wednesday and Sunday type of thing. And I definitely was somewhat conflicted by that early on because it was more of a, almost like a workspace. At times, I definitely struggled with, all right, is this works-based or what does the Bible, what does the scripture say about works versus faith mm-hmm. and faith without works is dead, but you know, the struggle of healthy works and uh, more of the, if you're not working, are you dead in your faith? At an early age, that was pretty confusing to me, just figuring out what that really meant. And in a small town in South Texas, what friends I have and peer pressures and 
All right. I want to be involved in church and I want to live that life and have the people pleasing struggle in my life. Um, but then also how do I do that in middle school and high school in mm -hmm. a small town? So almost living two separate lives. Um, but yeah, so that was the, the growing up in my faith early on. And then went to Abilene Christian university and still did that same thing, right? Sing on praise team for the university was a tour guide for the university. So that was a blast getting to show people around that were potentially thinking about going to ACU, potential students, as well as their parents or family, but then still trying to do the party scene and trying to be a, a real college student, right? I had a real struggle of potentially even attending ACU uh, because I didn't want to go to a Christian university because uh, Christians don't party type of things. It was a real challenge, um, honestly, up until probably the last year and a half or so for myself, um, but backing up again to, to ACU. So went there for my undergrad in psychology, didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So went more of the path of my mom in a sense where she was a school teacher, but I didn't want to be a school teacher because school teachers don't make money. So that's the mindset that I had was like, how do I potentially incorporate the school teacher route, but uh, pursue more of a, a path where I can start my own business or start my own practice. Okay. Psychology. So did the undergrad, but usually you got to get a master's or a doctorate to, to be a counselor, at least bare minimum, a, a master's. And so finished up my undergrad, went into the first semester of the master's program for counseling and psychology. And while I'm sitting in the, the classrooms, I'm looking around at who my potential colleagues are going to be. And they just, it wasn't meshing for me. Uh, these were not the same people that maybe would be interested in even little stuff like maybe the same clothes or the same pursuits just in their career path in general. So I talked to one of the professors who was my mentor at the time and he was like, yeah, I was actually pretty surprised you wanted to go this path um, for your career in, in the master's program. And he introduced me to organizational development, um, which was in the business school at ACU. So he was like, I think this would be more of your more of your jam, uh, more of what you'd be interested in because you get to incorporate psychology into business and go that route. So did that. Um, but yeah, all the while, faith was a part of my life, um, but definitely not what was leading me on a daily basis. Um, so I mentioned, you know, up until the last year and a half or 15 months, um, one thing that I was struggling with, whether it was apparent to a lot of people from the partying standpoint or staying out late standpoint internally, it was something that I struggled with and that was abusing alcohol. So did that in high school, started drinking at 14, went through that in, in high school, the barn parties or the pasture parties. And again, alluded to the living, living two different lives. So would sing on praise team for two services, the 8 AM and the 9 30 or 10 AM. But I was out until one or one thirty the night before we're having a house party the night before and it got to i think i was 32 or so married had a kid and was just at the breaking point of trying to have my cake and eat it too mm -hmm. trying to live this life of i can still be young i can still be party i can work hard play hard and try to be a, a faithful follower of christ 
and that's just not doable uh, for anybody that is trying to do it or, or has tried to do it in the past. You you can't do it. You, you can't have that life of trying to pursue worldly pleasures while also truly being faithful in your walk with in your walk with God. Um, and one thing that I've been going through recently, it's called Experiencing God. It's a book, but they also have a workbook and they have some videos on it. And it's, man, it's challenged me to really think about how do I fit into God's will, right? Because if we really dive into the stories in scripture, it's not about other people's will. It's about how God invites those people into his will, right? If we think about Moses, Noah, Abraham, a lot of the Old Testament type stuff, the 12 disciples, right? Jesus and God in the Old Testament, but Jesus in the New Testament, he invites them into his will, the work that he's doing, right? So this workbook has really challenged me in shifting my mindset of, God, what's your will for me? Or God, what should you have me do? Rather than, hey, like, how do I fit into his will? What are the things that I'm doing today or things that I need to stop and start doing uh, to fit into his will rather than what's your plan for me? Like the focus on myself. So yeah, I uh, kind of gone up and down in, in my faith. I think I'm probably in the best place that I've been. So I guess what I would say for people that grew up in the church and maybe they have their parents' fate or they have their parents' beliefs, I don't want to necessarily challenge people to move away from that completely, but do your own digging, right? Find a faith, not necessarily that works for you. Go to the word, go to the Bible, but understand what it truly means rather than just go off of, I'm Church of Christ, so I have to stick with Church of Christ for the rest of my life or... God's going to punish me type of stuff. My wife and I, we were members at Watermark in Dallas for a few years. And now we're not members of a church. We're trying to really figure out what the next move is for us. But I'm still attending Bible studies. So I talked about my challenge with alcohol. I attend AA. I have a sponsor. And even though AA is not truly faith-based. It, it talks more about a higher power, right? I'm a part of a recovery Bible study with other members um, that are in AA of the, the Frisco group there. And I'm a part of the steering committee for that. But yeah, I think in a way, maybe my faith is a little less structured than what it had been in the past, but in other senses, it's even more structured because I'm actually pursuing it. I'm actually wanting to grow my faith. I want to better understand God and his word, what that means for what I should be doing in my life, whether it's with my family, whether it's for my business, whether it's even taking care of myself mentally, physically, spiritually. I think we'll talk about that a little bit from the, the holistic fit investor standpoint. Yeah. Like, how are you taking care of your body? That was a big shift that I had to make even within the last 15 months. So yeah, I... I'll stop there and see yeah. where you want to go. Yeah, no, this, that, that's great. And a lot to unpack. And I appreciate you being open about everything. So I wanted to, a lot of good stuff I want to dig into, but I want to take it back to, I guess, you had mentioned, of course, you grew up in a Christian household, but you saw it. You had that confusion, as you said, of works-based faith. And shoot, I think that's something that adults are confused with. 
I yeah. mean, it is a, a confusing thing. So what can you think of things that perhaps worked or didn't work in encouraging your faith as you were growing up in the church? Because like you said, if you get into that mindset of I'd have to do these things mm -hmm. to work on salvation, or if you're in a denomination that is like you mentioned Church of Christ, which is typically a lot more formal and has more rigid and rules and stuff like that. Yeah. Don't follow these things. Then am I truly saved or am I a yeah. Christian? So as a child growing up in the church and these things, can you think of, again, what encouraged your faith and what discouraged your faith? Yeah. And so for the encouragement side, yeah, I think about it now, um, the same way I thought about it then like a, a path towards Jesus or trying to follow in his footsteps. It's not necessarily a life that, that you're called to, that's going to be easy, mm -hmm. but it is one that is certainly in my mind and the experiences that I've had allowing me to have somewhat of a easier uh, time. It's the encouragement of it, the friends, youth group was like a really great place to, to be involved. I still have one of my good friends that actually lives in the North Texas area. There would be times, cause it was, again, it was a really small town on a good Sunday. We'd probably have a hundred people that were there. So you, you would get plugged in and you would have these tight knit group of people. Now on the other encouraging side, you got to, um, you got to be involved in leadership type of rules very early on at 11, 12 years old, you're learning how to lead worship. You're learning how to not only read music or keep the, if it's a two, two or a four, four or a three, four, or whatever, like all the songs and faith and praise that you're getting into. That was the hymnals for, for church of Christ. But you're as a 12 year old, as a 13 year old, early teen, you're leading 50, 60, 70 people at a very early age, right? So the comfort level and the confidence that you're starting to get in not only leading people in worship, but having conversations with 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, right, about life, that was extremely encouraging. Another part of that was getting to see, and this is something that I've been able to realize more so in my older age, but getting to see that people that live out their faith, they can have the same successes, if not greater successes than people that are work hard, play hard, right. or to get ahead in business, you gotta be X, Y, and Z, right? That's not necessarily true. Right. And in the home, that's actually a struggle that I had. So I mentioned my mom in my formative years. I, so she got remarried when I was nine, I believe. So I think in third grade and she was married to my stepfather until my freshman year of college. They separated during the winter break of my freshman year of college. So they were together for 10 years or so. I guess they did a little more before that, but he was more of the work hard, play hard. Okay. Like when we were going to church on Wednesday and Sunday, he was not, he was getting on the tractor and work in the field. He owned a construction company and was very successful, right? He was 
the epitome of I'm going to have my worldly success and we're going to be successful in business. But that also meant that there were a lot of strains. There were a lot of constraints within our household. But the encouraging side of it was getting to be around business leaders, city leaders in the church that they lived out their faith. They focused on that first and they had those successes. So I think early on in life, I didn't really catch on to that as quickly as I would have liked. But later on in life, it's, hey, man, these Christian men, these Christian women, they can have very successful ventures in business and they can also love their family and they can also not drink. So that was encouraging. The The flip side of that, kind of the discouraging part was, I think, more of the checking boxes. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of challenge with checking boxes where, hey, if we didn't go on Wednesday for whatever reason, like maybe I had a, a basketball game on Wednesday night at six o'clock and church was at seven and we just didn't make it uh, because I had a, a middle school basketball game. And then maybe that very next Sunday we were going to the deer lease or going to the Bay house and we were going to be out of town. If you missed two, a Wednesday and a Sunday in a row, like people would write you a letter right. or people would call you and be like, Hey, you're like, are y'all good? Are y'all still coming? And I think the check-ins are great, but it was the underlying reason for the check-in. Right. Say, hey, you weren't there two days in a row. Or, hey, you weren't here Sunday morning. You're going to be here Sunday evening so you can take communion, right? Uh, it was the, hey, you got to check the box to make sure you're doing what you need to do to fit in with this congregation right. specifically. Another one that I just laugh at now, and again, it, it was a smaller church. You got people from different generations, but the idea of having your seat and this is where I sit every single week. And even my grand did that. My grand, uh, she passed away about two years ago, um, but she had her seat and she had her like foot pedestal that she could put her feet on to help with her blood circulation type of stuff. And it was very much this is grand seat. This is Trudy's seat. And on Easter or a Christmas or Thanksgiving might come around and there's families visiting and maybe we get there five minutes later than what we normally would and her seat is taken. Right. And there was just like a big ordeal of having to get her foot footstool and having to potentially move that or having to ask people to move. So I think a lot of the kind of unwritten rules of certain, maybe congregations rather than denominations, but it was definitely... You look back at some of that stuff and you're like, all right, does God really care where you sit? I don't think he does. So I guess another discouraging one is like growing up in the church, you start to have, people start to have these expectations of you and you need to show up the same way every single week. And I would probably consider myself more more of an extrovert. And I think a lot of other people would consider myself more of an extrovert. As I've gotten older though, I'm probably more of an ambivert, ambivert, where it's in the middle of the introvert, extrovert. There are times where, like when I was a Bell helicopter, I would do leadership training. So facilitate courses or workshops for four hours or maybe an entire day. And then after that eight hours, I didn't want to talk when I got home. I needed to recharge my batteries, right? I needed to go mow the yard or go pull some weeds to, to get my energy back. And that took a while for me to understand myself, but it was a real challenge with others. Like maybe 
Um, I was at an event Saturday night, not an event where I'm partying or anything like that, but maybe I was at an event Saturday night. And then Sunday, there's the expectation that when I get to church, I'm doing the children's ministry and I'm leading the songs for the kids. And I remember some of the, like the first time that I said, Hey, if there's somebody else that I can lead the children's songs today, that would be great. I'll still go and I'll still support in the audience or with the kids and hang out with them. But it'd be great if somebody else loved that. And it, it rubbed a lot of parents the wrong way um, because it was almost this expectation of, no, that's how you're serving, right? That's how you check your box uh, for, for our church. And that definitely caught me off guard. So it was like, well, hey, can I just be here and still go through the worship? Or maybe I don't want to go to children's ministry this time because I actually do want to listen to the sermon. Like maybe that's where I'm going to get fed more this week rather than feeling like I'm required to be in a leadership role serving others in order to feel like I belong. So yeah, those are the things that I think of. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think any of those are necessarily super unique to even any specific congregation or For sure. congregation. I think a lot of that crosses over and, but I, I think especially in smaller churches, those kind of things become evident a lot more. I had attended a, a church of Christ for several years, a few years back and yeah, very small church. Yeah. Uh, and uh, similar things, like I said, the church of Christ has, was just a different structure, structured a different way in terms of their worship. Mm -hmm. And like now. And I, I liked it at the time, but I haven't been out of it for a while. I go to a, you know, a contemporary non-denominational church now, but I do miss a lot of the, the things from Church of Christ, like, at least in this congregation where I was at, like the pastor was, man, this guy was, this guy had some knowledge of the Bible. Like, yeah. He's fired up. Oh, his preachings were like pure scripture and it was yeah. like wonderful. And I actually, I enjoyed singing the hymns. That's how I. Yeah. You know, acapella. There. Yeah. Acapella is amazing. So uh, the ability to learn music, read yeah. music, have four part harmony and all that, man, take me back to that sometimes. It's awesome. Yeah. That was how I learned at least the basics of reading music was just trying to follow along and you know, with the hymn book and, and try to catch what's, what those symbols mean. Exactly. Um, so yeah, actually I, I enjoy, I still don't understand why instruments aren't allowed, but yeah, that's just one of those. <laughs> hey, this is how we interpret. This is how we interpret this verse, and so we're not going to do it. Like, All right, but okay. um, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed a lot of those things. But I can certainly see, especially for a child, like that probably is a one of the more challenging uh, denominations to really grow up in, just because it is a little more dry. It is, yeah, more, and it was. I think more of the verbiage and mindset around maybe friends that don't go to church of Christ. Right. Yeah. And, and you're like, like, Oh, you're, Oh, you're a Baptist. Oh, you're Catholic. Like, okay. Yeah. You can still have friends in different denominations or different beliefs. So yeah, it, it was confusing for sure. Well, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, I think about this a lot because I'm involved in the youth group at our church, primarily with the high school, high school students. And I've been impressed with how well they engage during the youth groups, but just listening to your conversation here, it's starting to make me think of 
the whole double life thing too, because oh, man. everybody goes through, myself included. I think everybody does have that bit of the church face that they put on and they step in. And then when you get back in your car or you get back home, you might not be the same person. So I think everybody does struggle with that. And especially in those teen years, those are some of the most formative years. And that's where, like you said, being involved though in a youth group or surrounding yourself with friends who are of the faith is so critical because yeah, in those years with all the peer pressure, you're going to be uh, push to follow whoever you hang out with, yeah. right? Well, if you hang out with the wrong crowd, you're probably going to start doing some wrong things, right? If you hang out with the right crowd, you're probably going to start doing some right things, but it's a very difficult thing, right? Because especially now in today's society, Christianity is pushed further and further out to the fringes and people want to fit in and don't want to be looked at differently or made fun of or asked difficult questions or this or that, the other thing. And so we push that off to the side. That's this part of my life. And this is my. Yeah. My compartmentalize. I, right. That's how I used to think of it is I was compartmentalizing it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be who I need to be in this situation. And then I'll shut that off and then be who I need to be in these other situations. All right. And I think probably even as men, I think we're probably more subject to that as well. just because I think our minds work a little bit more so in that compartmental capacity, able to separate situations and address them as we need to easier than women. So I think we fall subject to that where we can compartmentalize our Christian life, our business life, our family life, our friend life, whatever, into all these different things. And just as I was saying that, it reminded me of a funny, a funny clip from Seinfeld. You, I'm sure you're familiar with the sitcom Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Where George was, George was engaged and then he kept his, that part of his life separate. He didn't want his fiance interacting with his friends, Jerry and all them. And then Elaine invited his fiance to go to the movies with her. And George found this out and he's like, the worlds are colliding. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> If this happens, this George no longer exists. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So true. I, I do that now a little bit and I'm trying to be better about it where I involve my wife in like the friendships I have at the gym, right? When we moved up to Frisco last December, I joined a, a gym up here and I'm starting to get some buddies and their wives work out at the gym with them or their kids work out at the gym. So like I'm inviting Rosie our, four, our now four-year-old daughter to the gym with me and she gets to hang out and do sprints afterwards. But it's also, I, when I talk about these people, I'm like, oh, hey, and so I was like, oh, that's my gym buddy, right? Man, it'd be great for you to meet his wife. I'm trying to mesh those worlds together a little bit more because yeah, I think for me and, and probably men in general, to your point, it's so easy for us to come compartmentalize. It's like, oh, that's my own thing. Like the gym's my own thing. Right? We can talk about family stuff when we're at home. Well, like, oh, how was your workout? I was like, oh, that was good. Right. <laughs> Anything else? I was really bad about that when working for Bell Helicopters. Like, how was work? It's like, yeah, it's good. I, right. I don't really have any reason to talk to you about it. I don't know. Give your wife a little bit of tea or something that happened during the day or the leadership program that I facilitated that day. Right. Uh, rather than shutting off. It's like, all right, I'm not talking about work, focusing on this because with work or working out or your, your spiritual life, like all of those do mesh together. I feel like. 
one thing that I would talk to, to people about in the workplace with like coaching was, yeah, you're going to potentially be a little bit different person in this setting. Let's call it 70, 30, right? 70, 70% 70 of it while you're at work is just going to be work, Brandon. But there's that other 30% where if you're trying to be a caring and thoughtful person at home, right? That's more of your 70, 30 there. That 30% is going to bleed over. Or what is that percentage of if you're more of an authoritarian at work because you're in a leadership role and that's how you feel like you need to perform uh, to have your team uh, be successful, that's going to bleed over into how you parent or how you have conversations with your spouse. So yeah, I, I try to, now I try to incorporate those as much. So sorry, sorry, George, sorry, Seinfeld, <laughs> but yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the difficult thing because I think, especially if you and your spouse don't, if you're involved in different careers or just completely different things, it's very difficult to relate in that. Absolutely. In that. And have to explain or describe things in detail is so it, it becomes, and I struggle with this a lot. It becomes very easy or much easier to just, like you said, yeah, it's good. That's, yeah. that's all you need to know. It's <laughs> something important. I'll tell you if not, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whole thing. Um, yeah, my wife's a chiropractor and okay. she going through a doctorate program of being board certified and licensed and all that good stuff. I would sometimes help her study while she was going through the boards and now being five, six years removed from that and having her own practice for the last three years, she wants to incorporate a lot of the holistic lifestyle changes mm -hmm. into our home too. Yeah. And it might've been stuff as simple as deodorant, right? What kind of deodorant are we using yeah. or, or what kind of laundry detergent are we using? And early in marriage, it's like, I, I just married a crazy lady. Right. But you start to ask the right questions. Uh, you start to actually be interested in understanding the why or understanding the science behind stuff. Mm -hmm. And what's now, man, one of where blue light blocking glasses so I can sleep better at night or I want a mouth tape because I want the blood oxygen level to be high going to my brain rather than being a mouth breather. It's stuff like that where it's, I just let her live her life and do her own thing. And I'm still going to do my thing. Like right. that's not as fun. That's not as fulfilling than to, Hey, I don't understand this, but I'm, I'm trying to show support and love for my wife. Let me just ask some questions. Uh, let me try those things and learn the science or the research behind it. Yeah, and then I, we can I, have more fulfilling conversations. I think there's some words of wisdom in that right there. And I, I guess it boils down to making the effort to try to understand the other person's, whatever it is, interests or career or whatever it may be. Yeah. So can relate, right? Which I, I, again, I think that's probably one of the biggest things or struggles that people have in marriage, right? And yeah. communication, those communication things. So I, I think that's great words of wisdom right there. So why don't we, why don't we lean into your business experience? I know you said you, sure. you start off with Bell Helicopter, which Sounds like a cool job. Actually, my grandfather, my grandfather, way back in the day, worked for Bell Helicopter as an engineer. Uh, nice. Okay. Helicopters, yeah. 
So this is a bad. lot of engineers. I, I was not the engineer track, but right. we definitely need a lot of good engineers to, to make Bell Helicopter what it is. That's for sure. Yeah. So you work for Bell Helicopter uh, in leadership, leadership programs. Is that right? Yeah. So I started there back in the summer of 2014. Okay. Doing an internship. So I was finishing up my master's program in, in organizational development, working for ACU while getting that, getting that master's. And I worked in a, a career center as a career advisor. Mm-hmm. So I was helping other students find internships and, and do resume prep and interview prep to get them internships or full-time jobs. And while doing that, I saw an advertisement for a internship at Bell Helicopter myself. And I was like, wow. That'd be pretty cool. Like, how many people do I know that work for a helicopter manufacturing company? So just applied for it myself because I was getting ready to finish my master's. It's like, all right, I know my girlfriend at the time, now wife, she's going to chiropractic school and that's going to be in Dallas. I had no interest in doing a, a long distance relationship. I wanted to be wherever she was. At. I just knew that would work best for us. And so applied, uh, did a couple phone interviews, got the internship for that summer. Uh, did that in the human resources department, received an offer for a full-time position and started in a leadership development uh, type of rotational program that they had um, there within human resources. So did uh, like employee relations, HR business partner role, training and development, which was more of the leadership development and morphed into that after a couple of years. So did some rotations there and then, yeah, got into the training world and while doing that, I think I was in that role maybe for three or four years. So I launched a sales development program for entry-level employees to basically teach them how to sell multi-million dollar helicopters. So some stepbrothers, Catalina wine mixer stuff. Like all my <laughs> friends from college are like, oh, Catalina wine mixer. Like, all right, there we go. So did that, had two programs where we had, I think, six to seven folks in each of the cohorts from countries all over the world. So we have regional, I say we, Bell has regional offices globally. So we had folks from Singapore, China, Canada, Czech Republic, I think Argentina, Brazil. So we had folks from all over that would come to our global headquarters in Fort Worth and go through this 40 week training program um, that I helped launch. Um, So it was really building relationships with these different departments that make up the, the start and the finish of the helicopter sales cycle. Um, cause it's not just selling a helicopter, right? It's going through working with supply chain. It's working with delivery. It's working with finance. It's working with ITAR type of restrictions. Like is your customer in a country that has a good relationship with the United States, or do they not have a good relationship with the United States or we could sell helicopters to them, but they can't get ITAR or they can't get certain night vision goggles or the financing piece of it. How are they funding this purchase? I've heard stories of they're trying to buy helicopters with bars of gold type of stuff. And if you don't know the ins and outs of that as a new salesperson, maybe you're making promises to customers that the company can't match up with. So walking them through that 40 week program, did two cohorts of that, leading that, and then also doing leadership development. So we had an entry-level program called Elevate and then a more senior uh, leader program called Lift. 
So launching those and having three or four offsites, like in person, where we've got these cohorts of 20 to 25 leaders that are from different functions within the organization and walking them through not only what it means to be a leader at Bell, uh, but what it means to be a leader that people want to follow. Right. Because uh, a lot of these people, the majority of them, right? How do you get to your first leadership position? It's by being a high performing individual contributor. Right. Right. We say, hey, we've got Kale here. He's a rock star individual contributor. We really want him to be in a leadership role. And we say, Kale, we're going to promote you. Now you're a leader of 10 people, but we haven't given you the framework of what it means now to shift from being an individual contributor to supporting individual contributors as a leader, right? There's some stuff that you have to let go of, or you have to leave at the door that made you a high-performing individual that now would maybe make you a boss that somebody doesn't want to work for. So having to have those conversations and walk through scenarios, performance management type of stuff, that was that was an amazing opportunity at Bell um, because it also helped me in my potential leadership capabilities and how I wanted to be seen as even a leader that might be in a individual contributor role, but also a leader outside of the workplace. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like it's probably the perfect setup for developing you into or developing the skill sets to be able to eventually launch your own business like you have. And that was, I think it was what, 2020, right? That you- 2020, uh, yeah, COVID happened. Right. Had our daughter in December of 2019. Okay. And then COVID happened March, 2020. So okay. everybody works from home. I've got the newborn. I get to experience that as a new parent and the wife's at home too. And man, it was just such a amazing experience to, to be home, to get to hang, hang out with my daughter, get to hang out with the family, get to help- diaper changes, help with naps and still work. And then in, I think, August of 2020, the executive leadership team made a pretty impromptu decision that, hey, everybody's going to come back into the office like starting October. And we did what we would call 980s. So you would work your 80 hours, right? If you have two regular work weeks for 40 hours, 40 and 40 is 80. But you would work a couple extra hours some days. So you would do 80 hours in nine days. So you'd have a full work week of five days and then you would have every other Friday off okay. basically. And I let my wife know, Hey, we're going back to the office. I'm going to be I, like every other Friday off. And she pretty much said, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, all right, I can support this. I just need your support in like whatever venture I decide to pursue. And she was like, yep, not a lot of thinking, not a lot of processing. It was just yeah. like, I support you. Okay. <laughs> and and we had owned our house back in 2015. I, I bought a month before we got married. So the house that we were in, we owned. I was like, I've always talked to you about potentially wanting to build a portfolio, get into real estate, maybe have that be an income stream. So I don't know what your mindset is on passive or nothing's really passive. Yeah. So probably back then I was saying, this could be our opportunity to have passive income and not work. And what's the best way to learn that? Just go ahead and jump into real estate full time. And so got my license in, I think it was by the time I was licensed in 
starting to practice. It was about three months. So that was November of 2020 and had a little bit of a nest egg. I was horrible about taking vacation. So I had a lot of vacation saved up. And when you leave the company on good standings or in good terms, you get that cash out. So I had that nest egg and I was like, all right, as long as I can make the same amount of money that I made at Bell and I have more flexibility and I have more freedom to be with my family and not freedom in the sense of I work whenever I want to work. I think that's something that needs to be brought up when I talk to people about real estate. And maybe when you have your investment properties, it's there's the idea of freedom. And then there's the idea of just, I just work whenever. That's not what I was talking about. It's more of, I got that flexibility. I can go to the park with my daughter at 2 PM because I was able to work from six to one, or I was able to meet with those three or four clients that I needed to meet with or make those cold calls in the morning that, that I needed to, to do. So that kind of flexibility is, and I just told myself, if I could at least make the same amount that I made a bell in this first year, then it's worth it. And I did that. I was able to do that in my first year. I've grown my business every single year. I'm getting that was, just through, that was just through sales. Real yeah. Estate. So what I've primarily done through the first three years is working with buyers and sellers at Brandon Kaler Real Estate. So primarily single family residential type of stuff. This past year, I've started to get into more of remodeling project management. So I'm currently managing three. Well, we just finished one and we've got two where I'm partnering with an investor that will purchase the property. So I help out on the real estate side as the realtor manage the project, the rehab, and then we'll either hold it as a rental or flip it and do it all over again. Okay. And then I still have the one house in Grand Prairie as a rental investment property. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think COVID had on the positive side, COVID had so many similar stories to yours and and to mine as well. And and giving people that push to try something new, try Mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial lifestyle. And very similar to you, it coincided with the birth of our youngest, which yours was December, 2019. Ours was October, 2019. Oh, there you go. Okay. It was the same thing. It was, that was really my, my why for wanting to get started is you said, being able to spend more time with him, see him grow up, not be gone from sunup to sundown. Yeah. You're back for bedtime and that's about it. For Uh, sure. If you're back for bedtime. If, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was the big impetus for me for getting started in this. It sounds like I was you know, similar with you. And thankfully, I guess you picked <laughs> a good time for getting into the real estate sales, right? The COVID spike, you know? Yeah. So- COVID spike, man. In the last three years, I feel like when I talk to people that have been in the industry for 20, 25 years, it's funny talking to them in 2020. They're like, man, if you could survive 2020, you could survive anything. <laughs> And then 2021 hits and they're like, well, if you could survive 2021, 2022 hit and rates doubled, right? If you could survive this, I'm like, all right, let's just chill out with it. If you can survive. I don't know if it's about that. It's more about your wherewithal and your attitude about how to get stuff done or your attitude about how to shift, right? Like maybe something worked really well in 2020 that doesn't work now in 2024. Right. And if I'm still only focusing on what I did in 2020. It, it might not work out the same way. Yeah. And that, that's a very important concept. Yeah. is being able to pivot and be flexible in your investing profile or 
your business profile, your business model, et cetera. And, yeah. Um, different times call for different things. It uh, does. And even if you're thinking about not only real estate, but maybe oil and gas. Well, so like 2020 election happens, Keystone pipeline gets shut off. Maybe that was actually a really good time to invest in oil and gas because <laughs> the cost per barrel goes through the roof. Yeah. And now we're seeing some shifts in the electric vehicles, um, depending on what happens in the next election. Is oil and gas going to still be at the same amount per barrel, right? If you're just now starting to get into oil and gas investment, is it a right time versus a good time to do it in 2020? That's just an extra added layer of don't yeah. always do the same thing because it might not always work out the exact same. Hey guys, it's Brenna Carl, CEO and co-founder of The Mortgage Shop. When I'm not spending my time searching for the best pizza in town, working out, well, because of pizza, or fighting sharks as Kale likes to say, I spend my time educating clients on the best investment products that will help them build generational wealth and making sure their loan process is as smooth as warm butter on a piece of toast. Call us today to get started with your investment journey at 800-816-7982 or, you know, to talk more about pizza. Talk to you soon. Yeah, looking at the macroeconomic factors, it's uh, when, when I I took a quick look at your website before this, and the one thing that stood out to me, which I, I'd love for you to expound upon a little, is I saw you have a, a giving back tab, right? On yeah, your, which is excellent. That was the first thing I saw when I saw. It. I was like, oh, that's cool. Let me check that out. And I know you, and I'll let you explain it, but I, I know yeah. there, there's an organization that you you know, allocate a certain percentage of your commissions to. Yes, uh, but the best part was when you click on that tab big, bold letters, you got the scripture first. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Which was wonderful because that's, again, just like we touched on before with societies, the way it is right now, unfortunately, it's becoming more rare and, and rare to see businesses promoting their faith. Yeah. Uh, also, I commend you for that. And yeah, I want you to just tell us about that organization and you know why that speaks to your heart. Yeah. And first, I, this is something that I've, I've really been able to experience more. I talked about that workbook, experiencing God, but really having more of the mindset of everything that I've been given has been a blessing from God. Yeah. If I'm not living that out in my business, in my day to day, right? That's uh, a, a bit of an insult to who I believe has blessed me with it, uh, whether it's little, whether it's a lot. So I, I try to live that out on a daily basis. And that means that I need to have scripture on my website. That means I need to be in podcasts and not be shooting it or not living with my faith foot forward. That always has to be first for myself, because if it's not first, that's where I get into a situation where I start not having a, a loving relationship with my wife, like some years of our marriage were, and I start to sneak around and drink alcohol. And so I have to do that first. That has to be daily for myself. But yeah, so Able Speaks, it is a nonprofit here in the Dallas area. And Able is actually the name of the, the people that run the, the nonprofit. That was their firstborn son. And he didn't live very long. So he had a congenital issue where basically the, the doctors told them that if he is born, he is not going to live a very long life. Whatever life he has on this earth is going to be, he's not going to grow up. Right. So in a lot of those situations, I'm not going to say that a doctor encourages, 
aborting or ending the pregnancy. That's for other people to say, but there might be the, hey, we're giving you the out or hey, do it for the kid type of thing because they're not going to have a, a long life. It's going to be super expensive, right? They put all these, here's all the negative stuff. Right. So here's your easy way out rather than looking at it as, hey, how do we fit into God's will? What is God telling us about why this is happening to us instead of us being in control and being like, oh, the doctor said it's okay if I do this. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it, move on, hopefully have a healthy kid the next time. So Abel Speaks, they walked through this themselves. And through that experience, they wanted to support other families that had the same diagnosis for their right. child. And so that's what they do. And my wife's a part of it. She's actually one of the providers for Abel Speaks. So if, if a mama is needing some chiropractic care, because she's prenatal certified, they will, they will um, pay for the mom to get chiropractic care. Cause a lot of this stuff is super expensive when you're going through not only pregnancy as a whole, um, but maybe when they go to extra doctor visits, maybe there's um, surgeries that need to happen for huh. mom or baby during the pregnancy. And then there's of course going to be hospital bills. There's going to be really high expenses once the child is born, even if they're alive for a week or a right. month or a few hours. So this organization supports those moms, babies, and families as a whole to say, if you want to go through the, the completion of this pregnancy and this birth, we're going to find a way for you to do that mm -hmm. because we believe this child is a gift from God, regardless right. of if you have minutes, hours, days with them, right. we believe that if this child can be born, basically it's finding a solution to the easy out of terminating. No, I, that's wonderful because number one, the doctors don't know for certain, right? There's been so many examples of situations where doctors have said that they don't have a chance of living and, and yeah, let's talk about miraculous intervention. Yeah. It's funny. I actually just saw, I was watching a clip yesterday on something with this, he's now, I think in his forties or something, but at this, I'd never heard of this disease, but or I guess like his skin layers won't bond to each other. So he, whenever he moves, it's like his skin layers rub against each other and just causes this extreme pain. Oh, and it makes, he obviously looks very different because of it, but he was just telling a story of how, yeah, the doctors told him that he was going to live for weeks maybe months and then it took the years and then as a teen when he got to be a teenager he had the mindset shift of he's okay they've been telling me i'm not going to make it all these years yeah admit, clearly i'm not dying from this right now so yeah. i'm going to make the best of it and really inspiring story like he had this he became like a, a power lifter which is amazing because wow. just moving is pain for him right he got to hold the olympic torch for a segment of the journey so anyway, it, it just reminded me of that. That's just a perfect example. You just never know what's going to happen. And the fact of the matter is, if God allowed the child to be conceived, who are you to? That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. So they're, they're a great organization, local here in the Dallas area. My, my wife's super, super involved in it, like firsthand. So of course, that, going back to the conversation earlier, just ask questions, right? If your wife is interested in something, get involved in the things she's interested in. So yeah, that's the giving back for Brandon Kaler Real Estate. 
And it's just awesome to, to know them and know their story and know all the families that they're helping. Yeah. Because a lot of families out there, they feel like all the information that they're receiving at first is negative. Right. G- give it up. Start fresh type of thing rather than, man, what it what is God calling us to? Right. right. Why is God putting us through this event? And right. and how do we fit into his will? Yeah. And I think it, it, I think more often than not, whenever we do go through the tragedies or if we have a, a background like yourself with alcoholism, mm-hmm. um, more often than not, if we allow it, because I think we're the ones that get in our own way, that can be used to benefit someone else. Yeah. So you mentioned you're in these small groups with other people who have been struggling with alcoholism, et cetera. There you go. If you don't go through it, how are you going to be able to lead or help others who are going through it? Yeah. Right. The same thing with any of these types of tragedies. Now, God forbid to lose a child. I, I pray I never experience that. But if it does happen or for the people who does that does happen to God can use that to benefit other people. God can use that pain and that tragedy to, to help other people. And I think that's the mindset that we all need to try to get into of how can our tragedy be used to bring God glory at the end of the day. That's really what it's, that's really what it's about. And like you mentioned before, instead of trying to fit God into our will, we need to be trying to understand how we fit into his will and, and, yeah. fit, and we'll get, we get tripped up far too much. Yeah. <laughs> and that requires big shifts on our part and that's not fun sometimes. No, <laughs> that's done. Wait, I have to do X, Y, and Z this other path that I was going down. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. But the, you know, I want to, so I know we're short on time. I want to touch, touch on the fitness here because you had mentioned it earlier that of course your faith played a, a bit of a role in your fitness journey as well. Mm-hmm. So your mindset of if I'm going to profess to be a Christian, if I'm going to understand the, the word of scripture, then I need to respect and treat my body a certain way as well. Yeah. And man, I used to say this in more of a mocking tone early in my adulthood versus my body's a temple. Right. And I, I would say that in a mocking tone, right? Especially in college. Cause when I got out of high school, I was six to 170 pounds. So like super lean played tennis. So the you know, metabolism was just through the roof type of thing, like mainly relying on genetics type of stuff or just fast metabolism type of stuff. And just abused my body though, from, from like an alcohol consumption standpoint, what I ate standpoint, sleep, just all of it, like really was not healthy, but looked healthy right? Uh, just because I'm younger and because of the faster metabolism type of thing. And I got into my late twenties, early thirties, cause I'm 34 now. And uh, my wife and I believe I was 32 and she was 30. We got our life insurance policies set up. And to do the life insurance policy, you got to have the medical exam. Right. And so the, the tech came to the house, drew blood, did the blood pressure, put me on the scale and all, and it's 9am in the morning, right? And I haven't really had a ton of stuff in my system as far as coffee or food or anything like that. And remember I said I was six to 170 pounds when I left college, um, I was six, three, 200 pounds, but like 
working out on a regular basis type of thing. So like still in good shape, but insides are just completely trashed. So 32 years old, continuing with the same lifestyle of putting my body through all sorts of stuff, not feeding it, not fueling it, not truly treating it like a temple, like scripture calls us to, right? To actually, hey, this is what God blessed you with. Like, why are you going to put it through this? You only have one body, right? You only have one life. And if you're, you get out what you put in type of thing. So I remember that Ted coming over, um, I was, uh, borderline hypertension. So my blood pressure was through the roof at 32. I was 243 pounds and I think blood pretty much came back mostly within the healthy range, but everything was pretty darn close to the about to be out of healthy range. So since getting out of college, I've gained over 40 pounds. I'm working out, but it's more of I'm going one to two days a week to just lift weights, not really focusing on the heart health or anything like that. Definitely not focusing on cardio, not focusing on eating right, or maybe I was eating right in the home because we do more whole foods, organic, whether that's grass fed or whether that's even the eggs or the vegetables, fruit that we eat. We even drink raw milk now eating like that at home, but then also going to Whataburger or <laughs> going to pick your spot to eat some unhealthy food. Whataburger is just big for us here in Texas. So I think you are maybe getting some of those in Florida now. Yeah. They, they got them in the kind of panhandle area of, of Florida. Now they're starting to branch out, uh, but the equivalent of the five guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're just super greasy, super unhealthy sodium through the roof and living that double life again, that I was talking about earlier. And I, I had to take a look in the mirror and say, dude, you joke about you're in shape and 240 doesn't look bad on a six, three guy, but it was just the fact that even like the borderline hypertension, it's like you're 32 years old and you're definitely on a path to, you're going to be 60 and out. You're going to be 65 and you're going to be out. You're probably going to have psoriasis of the liver because I did more research on what alcohol could and was doing to me. I would go to the dentist and the, my gums were much more sensitive than what they are today. Even though I've lost, there would still be blood when they're doing that. And of course, I'm like, oh yeah, there's blood, right? Like just stubborn, hard-headed, not willing to look at the facts. And I remember this last time I went back to the dentist and I haven't drank in 15 months and they were saying the sensitivity level of my gums then was like a four or five on a scale of five. And this last time it was one and two, right? Like even making those choices in my life for 15 months, how mm -hmm. drastically it's changed for the better. I was at 243. Now I'm at 207. I even shift the, the gym that I went to. So started going to more of a hard nosed CrossFit gym, um, where it's not just, I'm going into LA fitness and I'm throwing around some 90 pound dumbbells for three sets of six and feeling good about myself and then hitting a sauna for 15 minutes. Now, like I'm in pain for 45 to 60 minutes. It's helping me grow. It's helping me mentally as well as phys physically. And I would say even spiritually in my, my, my faith walk, God doesn't call us to an easy life. Mm -hmm. He says, yeah, 
the yoke is going to be lighter, right? We're not going to have as heavy, heavy burdens, but we are not called to an easy life. So being able to incorporate that even into my fitness journey, where it's like, God doesn't call me just to a 20 minute walk right. every day. Like maybe God is calling me to a life where I'm having to lift really heavy weights and it's super uncomfortable and I'm having to learn how to uh, do these type of pull-ups or these type of jump ropes. And actually that's really good for me because if I don't do hard things like that, I get in trouble with not being humble. Right. I get in trouble with maybe being overly confident and overconfidence sent me down a path that was not healthy. Right. Uh, not only for myself, but also for my family and my friends and my business, mm. right? This path of challenge, this path of more of a, an approach to humility, that's actually the better path for me. That's, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's a good point. Um, and I get to be around guys that are way stronger and more fit than me. Like <laughs> the gym that I was at before that, I was like, oh, I'm like the strongest or second strongest guy in here every day. You know, you feel good about yourself, but then you're 243 and you're like borderline right. hypertension. So that it just didn't add up. Yeah. The ego thing is certainly a, a challenge when it comes to the gym and working out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, doing, I think it all boils down to not only with what you're talk, just talking about in the fitness, but throughout everything you've discussed and your business and your faith and everything is making the intentional choices to be the person that you want to be. If that's like you had said, putting your faith foot forward and, and everything you do. So making sure that in your business aspects of your life, that you are being outspoken in your faith and that you are living that out yeah. and that you, in your fitness portion of your life that you are same thing that you are doing the things that you should be doing according to how the scripture tells us to take care of our bodies don't take care of our bodies then we may fall into situations where we can't serve the lord the way we're meant to serve the lord so it all comes down to yeah, again intentional choices and like you said doing hard things and even just this morning at the gym for me like Funny enough, I am one of the LA fitness guys though that does my workout and then hits the sauna. <laughs> yeah, hey, and it's good. It's good. Yeah, Are you pushing it. yourself though, right? Well, that, pushing that's, yourself. That that's the thing. I for the past I've still I consider my easy workout still relatively challenging for most yeah. people. For the past several years, I've been on the I called it like a maintenance program. Okay. Just still lifting and pushing myself, but not, you know, not with any like real goals or yeah. I just want to Keep where I'm at. Yeah. Right? There's a season oh. for that, for sure. And so recently I was like, you know what? It's time to switch things up finally. It's been too long of this. Let's really push myself. And so I started doing some, doing heavier on some of the exercises that I'd been going lighter on and starting to do multiple muscle groups in a day. There you go. So it's just one muscle group. And it's so like this morning, it was the first time doing like back and, and another muscle group. So I was mm -hmm. back biceps. And going heavy on deadlifts again. And I forgot how exhausting doing heavy deadlifts are. Yeah. And so I did my back portion of the workout. And I was like, man, it's like, I got to take a little break here before I jump into the biceps. Like, For I'm, sure. I am white. So I took 10 minutes on the, the stair, stairmaster and just. There you go. Yeah. Get the blood flowing a little bit. Yeah. And then got back out, jumped into the biceps and took care of it. But I was like, man, like. 
this was not <laughs> yeah <laughs> was a lot harder than well, i expected we, it to be here yeah in this gym that i'm going to now they have a powerlifting meet every year so they've done it for the last three or four years and it's by weight burn yeah. and you get to see where you were the year before and they just do uh three three lifts it's bench squat and deadlift and this was the first year yeah and this was the first year that i was there so i got my like benchmarks of where i'm at this year but even like all right i'm doing this weight on deadlift and i've never done that before so that's a pr for me but then these dudes are in there doing five five plates on each side or they're throwing up 550 or 575 i'm like all right i feel good about what i did but I, I got a ways to go. And that might not be my goal. It's not my goal, right? I have no intention of going to that many plates, but, but you're doing great, right? You, you're doing better than what you did yesterday. Is there an opportunity to get a little bit better today? And then right. the next day, right? Rather than the complacency right? and being like, yeah, I'm good. Whether it's in your faith, whether it's in your business, whether it's any aspect of life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brent, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Lots of good tips, lots of good wisdom. We like to ask our guests to share just three actionable or practical tips uh, for our audience based on what we've discussed. Yeah, man, three actionable tips. I guess I'll, I'll start with the last one, one that I just said um, as the first one. It's be weary of complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tie it back to uh, something that I'll struggle with from time to time and all right, life is good. Can I just coast right here? Or man, I've been sober for 15 months. Is this an opportunity to dip my toe back in? Or man, I've read the Bible for 20 days in a row. God's not going to be upset if I don't read it today. And it's not about whether or not God's going to be happy with you. It's about what you're doing in your life to be your best version of yourself, whether that's in your faith walk, business, personal life, family life. So just be very weary of complacency. Mm. I think there's always something that we could be doing, always something that we could be striving for. And it doesn't mean we have to make more money. It doesn't mean we have to lift more weights or we have to lose a certain amount of weight, but there's opportunities for us to be doing something always. Right. Mm-hmm. Another thing, I guess number two would be like learn, learn stuff, learn something new every day if you can. So I'm really bad about reading books, but one thing that I've challenged myself to do is to start reading books on things that maybe I've said I would be interested in at one point, And then I just put it in the back of my, in the back of my mind and never think about it. So one, one book that my wife got me was the book of Enoch. And I've been starting to dabble in that. And, and learning about Enoch and who he was and there's stuff about the Nephilim and giants and just a whole bunch of stuff. That's an interesting read. That one's a very interesting read. Being able to listen to commentary or podcasts or read other books about was this all just, or was that real? Was it not fairy tale, but thinking about, was it more like how Jesus would talk about parables in, in the new Testament, right? Um, but just really diving into a topic that's new and not just completely shutting down whether it's true or whether it's not true and leaving it at that, but allowing myself to dive into it a little bit more. And then, man, number three, so I guess I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to say, but how I phrase it, having a four-year-old, <laughs> I, that's a horrible way of starting that, but she's only going to be four once. Right. 
Um, I guess it's more phrasing. Take the time to be with your family. Take the time to be with your kids because she's only going to want to have me hold her for a certain amount of more times. She's only going to want me to hold her for a a number of years. She's only going to call me daddy until a certain age. Right. I'm her best friend for a finite (laughs) period of time. No. And that is going to change. So make the memories. And I really struggle with that every year. We get a, a pink bounce house for her birthday party. And I'm convinced that I'm just going to buy a bounce house because the amount that you pay to rent one yeah. for two or three hours, it's like 400 bucks. And yeah. if you go online uh-huh. and you, you buy one commercially or wholesale, you can buy one for hundred bucks. Right. So I would have already paid for it after the fourth birthday. So I'm convinced that I need to buy one, especially if we have more kids. But I always complain about buying the bounce house. And it's one of her favorite things. And in the grand scheme of things, it, it is money, but it's not too much to put us out. It's not going to make us uncomfortable. And man, the memories that she makes mm. on that and her wanting to jump on the bounce house with me and wanting me to paint my face with her or right. uh, wanting to play with Play-Doh at 630 in the morning. And instead, am I getting my coffee and starting my day? Or am I allowing myself to have those 10 or 15 minutes with my daughter when she wants to hang out with me? Is that an opportunity for me to invest time with her and and build a stronger relationship, a stronger bond? Because I only get so many opportunities. I can't remember somebody's, I'm I'm sure a few people have done it, right? Like you have 18 years with your kids before they go out into the world. And then after that, the amount of time in person with them that you have is like less than, I don't know, two years. Or something like that, because they're coming to visit for Christmas or Thanksgiving, but they might move away. And so it's maybe you've got these 18 years. What are you doing with those 18 years? And depending on what you do in those 18 years, they might want to spend more time with you after those 18. But also, depending on what you do in those 18, maybe they don't want to spend any with you. Yeah. So that's the third one for me and something that I've tried to be a lot more intentional about. And do I need to answer that work text right away or can I put the phone away for 10 minutes and play dolls? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a good convicting one to leave us up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, one parent to another, I guess that was a, a good one. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it is hard though, but yeah, that's good. Very good. So Brandon, if people want to find out more about you or your business or this April Speaks organization, like what's the best way to, to yeah. link up? So to, to get the Brandon Kaler real estate, as well as able speaks, they can just go to Brandon com. I tried to make it as easy as possible to find me. So as long as you know how to spell the last name, but Brandon, Brandon com. he is the same Brandon Kaler real estate. That's more of my personal land business. And then for my podcast, I have a separate Instagram account called the wise homeowner. And that's also the same on TikTok. So. We mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation, the freeze that's happening in Texas and Tennessee and a few other parts of the country. So I posted a video three or four days ago now that I guess it's like my first viral one. And all it was talking about, hey, if you're living in the home, drip your faucets when it's cold. Don't just shut off your water, right? Because if you shut off your water and it gets to a certain temperature, the pipes are going to freeze. And then if you need to turn on water because you need to take a shower or drink water or do what wash your dishes pipes are going to be frozen don't do that definitely have a key where you can turn it off 
if a pipe does burst and it's gotten like 300,000 views and a ton of comments on it right now. And people are like, what's a key and like traction on people in Texas. And some people are like, oh yeah, I dripped my faucets and a pipe still burst. And so it's just the TikTok world. But I have clips from my podcast on there as well as just homeowner advice, whether it's anything from dripping your faucets to filing your homestead exemption, protesting your property taxes, just the stuff that is important for homeowners to know that maybe they weren't taught. Maybe it skipped a generation, like the stuff where how to change a tire. Yeah. Um, these are just the basics of homeownership. Yeah. Very good. Very good. That's awesome. Yeah. So be sure to check out his podcast and his website. And Brandon, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you guys for another episode of The Fit Investor. Awesome. Thanks, Gail.